0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. Along with my brother Darren, we're live in the Morton studio today talking about corn traits and value. But if you don't raise corn, we got plenty of other stuff to get into today. We've got lots of mailbag questions that we're going to answer as we go throughout the show today as well. If you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also find us on Twitter, AgPHD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so Darren, just to start the show off today, talking about corn traits. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Smart Stacks Pro here in a little bit, but beyond Smart Stacks Pro, what else, anything new and interesting that you're seeing maybe right now or coming down the pike in a couple, three years? Corn traits.
1: Well, there's going to be more stuff coming, but right now the thing to look at for a lot of growers is tricepta. That is adding the Viptera trait into uh, like a double pro-hybrid. So corn borer protection and now other uh, worms, so earworms and those types of things that really it's tough to time the treatment for. So if you're not raising corn and you're hearing about these traits, uh, just know one of the big focuses here is not just herbicide tolerance but it's insect control. And if we can control a bug.
0: So we got Darren traveling out in the Pacific Northwest today. He's trying to hustle to get on a plane, but he decided to call in for our show. And I'm guessing he's going through the Palouse region there where if you've never been out there, this would be in extreme Western Idaho or Eastern Washington. Um, tremendously hilly. <laughs> Some of the slopes there, I don't know how the guys do it. They've got nerves of steel uh, because I I would have a difficult time going up and down those slopes and especially sideways. So anyway, if you've never been out there, I'd encourage you to check that out. But anyway, we'll see if we can get Darren back on here. Darren, you back with us now? And he's still not. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep trying to get Darren back on. But yeah, he, he mentioned Tracepta there, and it is exciting just because you have more bugs than the old straight corn borer BT products that have been out there. Now, th- there, are, there are a lot of other traits out there, too, and like I said, we'll talk about SmartStacks Pro here in a little bit. That's probably the one that I have been the most excited about because it's actually here now, and it is a step up for rootworms, and like on our farm, for example, we have tremendous rootworm pressure because we're raising a lot of continuous corn. We get a big dairy right next to us, and so not only are we raising a lot of corn, but our neighbors are raising a lot of corn. The corn price has been good; we can get pretty good yields here, have decent soil, and all that. But all that leads to more rootworm pressure. So, anyway, that's probably the the number one trait that I wanted to get to, and we'll, like I say, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, beyond that, I I would I just wanted to start the show by saying this. With many of these BT traits, uh, some may be new, but there are a lot of combination things. So they're taking a trait that may have been here five years ago with a trait that uh, may be new or a trait that has been out for three years or whatever. And combining a lot of those things, it's kind of the same thing that we see with herbicides, where a lot of what they call new products are really just combinations of old products. The concern for me is simply resistance. So back when I was a young agronomist and I had gone to school at South Dakota State University, well, the guy who'd been the entomologist there for like 50 years, um, I, I got to know him pretty well. and we, we talked about entomology things. He taught me a lot of stuff about bugs, which was good because growing up on our farm, we learned a lot about weeds, not a lot about bugs here on the farm. Well, anyway, when they were first developing some of these BTs, so it was the early 1990s, And he goes, I just, I said, okay, Ben, Ben Kantak was his name. Anyway, I said, Ben, you know, what do you think of these BTs? I said, I'm super excited because now basically I can take that same type of that mode of action, that dipel that people are using in organic. And, you know, people have tried even in conventional farming for killing corn borers. And it's basically the BT is now in the plant. I said, I think it's awesome. And he goes, oh, Brian, we tried that stuff 20 years ago and it doesn't work very well because we get resistance so fast. And I'm like, what? I think I think it's great. And he's like, no, I, I think they're going to kill those traits in short order because d- resistance develops quickly. Now, uh, fortunately, all the companies went ahead with all these different BTs because they've turned out to be amazing. But he was right in in to some degree. It just didn't come near as fast as it did. But there has been a lot of there have been a lot of resistance issues. In fact, the first confirmed rootworm case that we know of in the United States happened in the very section where we're doing the IPHD radio show today. The, the section of our home farm, it was one of our neighbors and he was using BT and wasn't using any insecticide. And on just like literally kitty corner uh, across the road was our field and we were using insecticide with the exact same variety. And our corn was standing great, yielding fantastic. His was falling over. We're like, Hmm, that seems weird. And he actually had two different numbers out there. And so some of our agronomists go out and they go, hey, uh, what's going on here? You know, this, this doesn't look like we're getting any control on the, uh, out of the, uh, the rootworm. And anyway, then USDA came in, South Dakota State University came in and others, and it took them three years to basically grow out the rootworms and prove, oh, yeah, these are actually resistant. So it's literally three years later. By the time we find out, absolutely confirmed yes, we did have resistant rootworms there. So, anyway, where I'm going with all this is just, I'm going to say it was. Um, well, here I'll 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 tell that story after the break. I want to get Darren on for another minute here, real quick. Darren, I assume you're in a better area now, so we got about thirty seconds left. Anything else you want to leave us with with Tracepta or anything else with corn traits?
1: Well, the big thing is we got to protect those traits, and they're only going to last so long. So we've got to manage them <laughs> well. Uh, refuge in the bag has been a nice thing, but you may want to consider using insecticide in addition to rootworm traits. You may even use some insecticide for the foliar insects, too, to make sure they continue working for us and just avoid having escapes.
0: Yep. I couldn't agree more. That was the story I was going to get into, and I'll tell it after this break. Uh, Anyway, we are going to be talking about corn traits and value throughout the show today. We've got a lot of Ag PhD mailbag questions to answer as well, so stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio.
2: Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions.
3: It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at ziway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
4: Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, Two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, just talking about corn traits and value a little bit. And first on the show, we've got Sammy Brantner with us. She's from Wisconsin, DeKalb technical agronomist out there. Sammy, how are you today?
5: Oh, not too bad. How about yourself?
0: Uh, doing great. Uh, it, it's just we got a lot of weeds and insects to control, and so we were, we're talking corn traits a little bit today. I assume Smart Stacks Pro is the one, the trait you're getting the most questions about right now, correct?
5: That definitely is the trait we're getting the most questions about. I mean, corn rootworms were definitely out and about in full force again this last year, and it was really fun being able to see the Smart Stacks Pro in action um, out both in our plots and in fields uh, really being able to showcase that third mode of action, you know, coming to us from that RNAi uh, based um, technology, and really ge- helping us bring that extra tool to the toolbox to fight against corn rootworm.
0: Okay, correct me if I'm wrong here, but let me see if I've got this this straight. With this RNAi, here, right. here's how I've been I'm told. Ready. Here's how I've been told that it works. So, and by the way, in the SmartStax Pro, it also does have the Bts, like she's saying, it's three different it things. Still so
5: does. Yep. yep. So we're still we're basically building off of our SmartStax platform is yep. what we're doing. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let you give it a try.
0: Okay. So this RNAI, it's basically RNA interference, and what it does is after the bug takes a bite of that corn root, it gets some of not only the BT in it, but the RNAI, and that RNAI, the interference stops the bug from producing a protein that it would need to basically overcome the BT so now the BT can work just like it did before there was any level of resistance and then you get good control am i am i close there
5: We're close so yep so that RNAi technology is definitely targeting a protein but that protein what we're targeting is one that it actually needs to survive itself
0: yep so we're
5: actually yep so basically it's going to come in and sweep up if like you said those bt traits um weren't able to work on that first go around that rnai technology is going to target a different protein um, within that bug and then ultimately find its way to death
0: so with that rnai in there is the bt even necessary
5: It absolutely is. So really what we're looking at is we're trying to still protect that BT trait because we know at the end of the day, Mother Nature is always going to try to survive. So the more modes of action that we can have out there, the better off that we're going to be. So we really, the biggest thing is trying to confuse these bugs and to figure out what the heck is killing me at the end of the day and being able to utilize all these different platforms. So we're still going to want to have that B tree and the B-T trait and a little bit sometimes I look at that RNAi as being able to protect the B-T trait as well as we move into more and more corn rootworm pressure areas.
0: So one of the things that's been frustrating for a lot of people, myself included, is when you get many of the traits, you have to have the refuge or refuge in the bag. So because yep. it's now got another mode of action, are you still required to have the refuge in a bag?
5: Yes. Yep. So that's more of that EPA guidelines, right? So we're still going to have that refuge in a bag. um, But at this point, we won't have to have any sort of structured refuge outside of that. So definitely some convenience there being able to have that in the bag.
0: How about in the southern United States? Because they've had different rules for refuge in a bag, like going to 20% instead of 5%. Is it it the same down south?
5: You know, that's a great question. and I'm not going to have an answer for you. I'm stuck up here in northern Wisconsin. I haven't spoken to those guys down in the southern part of the state. I'm fighting off snow today. So. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that's kind of where we've been as well, Sammy. So with, <laughs> that's going to be a great follow-up question for you, <laughs> All right. So with the SmartStax Pro, um, I, a lot of people have been interested in this. Is there supply out there this year?
5: So our supply is going to be limited. So the best thing that guys um, are going to want to do is reach out to their DeKalb Asgro dealers to see what sort of supply we have. Um, so, you know, for Wisconsin specifically, you know, we're looking at 101-day product, 105- and 107-day. Uh, we're also going to have 111-day as well um, in a few areas. So, but like I said, supply is going to be tight because this is a technology that we know is, is a high-need product. So... Um, this first year will be probably a little more limited than what we would hope for. But, you know, in the future, it's just going to keep growing.
0: Yeah, but for a lot of people, I would assume they're not going to try the whole farm the first year anyway. No. So a lot of people want to get right. going with it, just see, oh, do I see a difference here? How's the yield compared to what I have been planting? So, yep. no, I, I, I think it'll work out just fine. Um, how about other traits? What what else are you talking to farmers about this fall?
5: Yep. So when we're thinking about this fall, you know, we've also had just our above ground traits for areas that, you know, don't have corn rootworm pressure. So we still have our double pro, but we're also going to have our tricepta trait as well. And that tricepta trait is really being built up and above that uh, double pro technology. And that tricepta is going to bring us some extra protection when we're talking about western bean cutworm, black cutworms, um, and a little bit extra uh, corn earworm protection as well. So, you know, we've got some areas, like I said, up in, up in the north where, I mean, corn rootworm is definitely coming in. But we've got rotated acres where we don't see that pressure. Um, and that's where our Double Pro and Trecepta are really going to give us some nice advantages. So,
0: so a lot in. of people over the years have heard about yield drag. When you throw a different trait in there, is there yield drag? So can you answer the question, do we have yield jag- drag with Trecepta or SmartStax Pro?
5: You know, I mean, it's hard. Every time you put something um, in that corn, that corn is going to react. Now, do we have yield drag? You know, that's not something I can say we we have specific yield drag. We don't. But every product is going to respond a little bit differently. Um, so it, it really the biggest thing is just to figure out what product really starting out with what trait do you need on the farm, first of all. If you need that protection from corn rootworm, then we need to lead with either a SmartStax Pro or a SmartStax. If you don't need that sort of protection, then we wanna look at those other traits.
0: Yeah, the genetics still is a huge player when it comes to yield. And I talk to people quite often that are trying different traits and they only try one variety of a trait and it might yield fantastic or it might yield terrible. And either way, they're crediting the trait with what may just be the genetic advantage. So that's part of the reason we always tell people, don't just try one variety of some new trait. Maybe try two or three and just kind of see because, uh, you know, as farmers, we got a lot of risk out there. We kind of like to spread our... Oh, absolutely. a little bit.
5: Nope. I'm all about spreading out that genetic diversity on the farm. Like you said, spread, spread that risk out.
0: So any other traits that you wanted to bring up today? Smart Stacks Pro, Double Pro, you mentioned, and then Tricepta.
5: Yep. Yep. And then, you know, into the future here, looking at 2024, we're actually looking at um, introducing VT4 Pro. So again, 2024 will kind of be that first limited supply year. Um, but VT4 Pro is really, you know, Pinging on that RNAi technology still, um, but building it on top of Tricepta. So with the VT4 Pro, um, again, really going to be targeting probably more the uh, well, we will be targeting that high corn rootworm areas. So more of that low to medium corn rootworm environments because we we will have two modes of action. Um, to protect us from the corn rootworm. Um, but, like I said, since we're building on top of the Trecepta, uh, we're going to have that additional protection with the earworm, western bean cutworm, black cutworm, and things like that. Okay. So, so again, going to be that limited launch for 24, but excited to bring that thir- that extra um, trait package to the market.
0: All right. So the RNAi with the SmartStax Pro, I was told that was specific to corn rootworms. Does it impact other yep. bugs? Is it going to be the no. same RNAi with, with this VT4 Pro? Okay.
5: It's going to be the same RNAI, yep. Yeah. But yeah. we're we're going to be packaging it with the, that trecepta, so that's where we get that above ground additional protection versus, you know, our double pros or even the SmartStacks Pro. Sure. Right? So
0: so what you're saying is with that VT four Pro, the RNAI in there would have some impact then on the western bean cutworm, black cutworm, and earworm, in addition to corn borer?
5: Not the RNAI. So that's yeah. going to be coming from the trecepta.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. All right. Well, again, we've been talking with Sammy Brantner with the Cal Grow out in Wisconsin. Uh, Sammy, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. That was good information.
5: Sounds good. Thank you so much and stay warm out there.
0: (laughs) Yep, you too. All right. So again, we've been talking about corn traits just a little bit, and I got a a few more things after our next break here. But it's really pretty exciting to me, all the corn traits that have come. And I mean, we haven't really talked about the Roundup Ready trait and uh, traits to have liberty tolerance and things like that. So there, there's also that herbicide side of things, as well as this insect issue. Uh, and they've talked about traits over the years for drought, for just yield acceleration and things like that. There are going to be more things coming in the future, I'm sure, just like how this RNAi came out here recently as well. So pretty exciting stuff. We'll talk more about corn traits right after this.
3: It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that.
6: CB, your local John Deere dealer, is here to help you get in the field and keep you going all season long. Turn to CB for all your equipment needs. Stop into your local CB or visit deerequipment.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points
3: of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies
4: last. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our AgPHD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com.
6: Pasture spraying season is upon us, and your spray window may be longer than you realize. Many weeds like musk thistle and Canada thistle are still able to be controlled after a few light frosts. If you've got some ground that's losing productivity to invasive weeds, turn to proven answers like Weedmaster and Burnmaster from New Farm. Go to newfarm.com forward slash US crop to learn more.
3: Come to Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic.
2: Commodity Classic. Come to
3: Commodity Classic. Please join us in Orlando, Florida in 2023. Join us in Orlando for Commodity Classic. The best and most progressive farmers know Orlando is the place to be March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com.
0: Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, joined again by my brother Darren. We're just talking corn traits, and uh, Darren, let's just kind of wrap up the corn trait thing. What, what else did you want to cover? We were just talking with Sammy Brantner with the Kelb about SmartStax Pro, Double Pro, Tracepta, and then next year, or I should say the next season, 2024, they're going to come with a VT4 Pro that's got the RNAi plus Tracepta. Anything else that you wanted to cover today?
1: Well, the other one that's coming is Power Core Enlist, and they're just waiting on approval on their refuge portion, but you're going to have the ability to spray 240 d choline products like Enlist One. You're also going to have FOPS tolerance, and that's going to be kind of a big thing to use the active ingredient from Assure 2 as potentially volunteer corn control uh, from your previous corn year. So... That could be interesting. It's going to change volunteer corn control and soybeans for sure going forward as well. So it is a new trait that looks pretty good. You're already starting to see some of those hybrids show up in yield trials. And certainly on the research side, we've been looking at it for a number of years. So we're kind of excited to to see that one come to market probably in another year.
0: Yeah, with the Power Core and List, you bring up the Assure 2. So I just want to make sure we're clear with everybody that Power Core and List would be tolerant to the active ingredient from Assure 2. And the reason why Darren said FOP tolerance, if you look at there they're basically two categories of of volunteer corn herbicides. It's the fo- or grass herbicides. It's the FOPs. It's the ones that end in FOP, like Assure-2 and Fusillate. And then what we call the DIMs, the one that the ones that end in D-I-M, like Clethodim and Cethoxedim. So that'd be like uh, Select or Post or something like that. So two different categories. The PowerCore and List is tolerant to the fops is not tolerant to the dims so don't think you can use any volunteer corn herbicide out there and it will not kill the power corn list but it would kill let's say smart stacks or something like that but anyway yeah it looks pretty interesting and so far the yields have been good uh so darren you say you've been looking at this a lot out in trials and i mean what's your thought on power corn list compared to anything else you're seeing
1: well, I think it's going to be brought into the market to compete against Double Pro, and uh, that's a big market. There's a big right. section of growers that that's the kind of insect protection they're looking for. This adds another herbicide to the mix. Um, I, I think that's pretty cool. We'll see how they price that trait and and what we have for hybrid availability. But at this point, it looks like there are uh, hybrids coming uh, for sure, in the 90-day to 120-day range, I guess we'll see about earlier ones, but uh, looks to be some selection out there. They've been working on it for quite a while, uh, so that is going to be coming um, in the market with a lot of regional brands. Uh, expect to see some of the major brands, uh, since it's Corteva trait I-, I would assume their brand will be coming with it, so yeah, lots, uh, lots of excitement in the market about uh, what that's going to bring for, for choices.
0: So when are they expecting approval on that? Do they think they'll have it by this coming spring or is it going to be another year?
1: No, they're thinking probably another year. But who knows, you know, when it's regulatory, I mean, everything's there. They've got stuff done. I know, uh, you know, there was some spec production growing and stuff, as there always is on some of these new traits, But uh, I, I really think it'll be a year off because they don't even have time to educate everybody about how to use it and, what can and can't be sprayed and all those kinds of things. So I'm thinking it's another year.
0: Yeah, the other interesting thing is just politics and how all that goes because you see it all the time where, oh, Mexico's not going to take U.S. corn because of some, they'll make up whatever excuse. And then it's all about leverage and all about trying to get a better price and things like that. So eventually, hopefully, those, those things get all worked out. Um, okay, so coming back to SmartStax Pro, we were talking about yield a little bit. What have you seen so far yield-wise with SmartStax Pro? Are you giving anything up in a non-rootworm situation?
1: Well, I mean, this is technology that is new. So the price is pretty high for it at this point. And it looks like there aren't that many units where I think it's going to get targeted by the seed companies marketing it for the heavy rootworm pressure areas. So I'm not super concerned about is it going to get used where there isn't rootworm? Because nobody wants to pay the extra price. Uh, but in terms of yield, we did see it in a lot of independent trials. There's some good top-end yield. What, with any new trait, though, it takes a little bit to get all the defense in. So I think for some of the tough uh, defensive situations, I think it's going to be uh, you know another year or two before we have lots and lots of great hybrids. But in terms of rootworm control and top-end yield, it's there right now.
0: We talked about resistance with rootworms, but how about resistance with some of the other bugs, whether it's corn borer, earworm, black cutworm, western bean cutworm, have you seen resistance to any of the traits with any of those other insects? Well,
1: I, I think stacking multiple modes of action is really, or multiple BTs and RNAi technology, I, mean, I think that stuff's all going to help. Haven't seen a huge issue, but you know what, to be honest? I don't find a lot of farmers scouting their corn once they get past tassel, and I think that's a big mistake. I think you do need to keep an eye on fields. There, there are late bug infestations all the time. We saw a lot of adult rootworm feeding last year. Uh, we saw earworm situations where guys thought, oh, I got a BT to protect that. No, they didn't plant the right trait the way it turned out. So there's some confusion on the market as to what you're getting and what you're not. So just double-check with your trait provider about everything that the hybrids you're planting is going to protect you with.
0: Yeah, it can get pretty confusing. Okay, I want to come back to something you said in our first segment. It was use insecticide in addition to the trait. There was somebody, and I don't remember who it was. I think it was a university or an extension agent or somebody was trying to tell somebody recently just in the last couple of weeks, a farmer was was saying this to me. Now, I don't know because obviously I'm hearing this third hand. But they were told, this farmer was told, don't use insecticide. That's a problem. <laughs> I'm going, what? Okay, here it, the, the insect resistance issue works the exact same way that weed, it, it does with weeds. A dead weed can never become a resistant weed. A dead bug can never become a resistant bug. So I want to throw the kitchen sink at every bug so I have all all of them dead, then I don't have to worry about this resistance issue at all. I'm an enormous proponent of you got to have multiple effective modes of action. I don't care if we're talking weed control or insect control. Well, if I've got a BT, that's one. I want to use insecticide. That's two. So that's my strategy, and it's proven to be super effective over the years. Your thoughts? Totally agree. And if you've got even a small level
1: of bug feeding, The bugs themselves may not cause huge yield loss, but when they open you up to disease or they clean off your silks and you have poor pollination, it it causes yield loss. So definitely take control of the bugs. Keep scouting your fields, too. Uh, You're going to see some surprises out there. So that's something that that you always got to be watching. You don't want to have a surprise when you get there with the combine.
0: Well, part of this kind of comes back to how many dollars do you have to protect? So I was just telling a farmer yesterday, uh, we were talking about the markets right now and stuff. And I said, you know, it was only 17 years ago, only 17 years ago in October, we had a dollar and 30 cent corn. I I just remember it vividly because I was so mad that corn was only a dollar and 30 cents. Just think of that, a dollar and 30 cents. And at the time we were only getting 150 bushel corn or something. Well, now we're getting 225 plus. And we have a lot of fields that are 250. And we're getting six or seven dollars. Even new crop next fall. I can sell it right off the combine for almost six bucks. Well, my goodness, that's a lot of dollars to protect. So I, I want to make sure that I am protecting that. I can't have a 50-bushel loss or a 20-bushel loss. It costs too much money. So anyway, that's the, I, I just feel like we all have to look at things differently depending on what we have there to protect. So yeah, if you have a grand total of $300 gross income or 200 it's whole different than if you have $1,500 gross income to possibly protect. Darren, uh, any last comments as we wrap up this uh, corn trait discussion? Got about 30 seconds left. And maybe we've lost Darren. All right, so... I'll give you my last comments on this, and, and that is corn traits are, to me, very exciting. I love having the trait out there, like with the insect control, especially because now we don't, in some cases, have to use as much insecticide. Probably still will be using some, but certainly not as much. And we're getting fantastic control, better yield, seeing less disease in the crop, and that's all because we're getting that insect protection and getting it right away to a high degree. All right, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD Mailbag coming up next.
4: Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty, in recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com.
2: Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, marestail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions.
3: AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side-dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com.
4: Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at
3: agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique, self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating crack seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro.
0: Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag
4: PhD mailbag is about to begin.
0: All right. Our first question of the day comes from James and James, I got to apologize to you. You sent this question in a while ago and we just didn't, I I didn't see it. I'm sorry. And we have so many questions that come in, but I I saw this yesterday and I go, oh man, We, we got to get you an answer. And I know I realize it's too late for this fall. But anyway, here's James' question. He says, I've got a John Deere 9610 combine and I'm losing soybeans out the back. I have all the adjustments set to factory specs any information would be greatly appreciated. So I talked to our Ag PhD research lead because he has run that combine before. And he said, hey, with those straw walker combines, um, you, you you just have to... Well, he, he said, first of all, you probably need to set your concaves tighter. You're, knocking, you're not knocking the beans out of the pot. He said your cylinder bar might be worn out and you might need to increase your cylinder speed. So sometimes you just have to continue experimenting going far beyond what the factory specs are. And I would say there are usually at a lot of the equipment dealers out there, some people who are really good. If you just say, I'm having this problem, what's your suggestion? So we've had, let's put it this way. We got automatic bin fan controls on a bunch of our bins a few years ago. And one of my favorite things now, and I, I push our, our, Guys on our farm, they're just not used to this combining soybeans at 15 and 17% because then you have more risk of that exact thing you're talking about, losing beans out the back and not getting them out of the pod and things like that when the beans are just going to be a little wetter. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't be out there first thing in the morning when the the plant's all loaded up with dew. I mean, you're never going to get the beans out of the pod. So you have to be out there at the right time, obviously. But what I'm saying here is we're trying to go with beans that are a little bit wetter. And so we've had to make more adjustments in our combines as well. But yes, it is frustrating when you're you're losing stuff out the back. And we, we do talk about this quite often too with just harvest loss in general. So th- there are three different kinds. Basically, the first kind is when the, the whatever it is, beans, corn, w- wheat whatever has fallen off and it's on the ground before you even get there okay that's one thing you got header loss so you can just basically pull forward pull back a little bit see what you're losing at the head but then the other big thing is exactly what you're talking about what's going out the back and what are we saving inside that combine so back many years ago, like on our own farm here, we actually have a seed plant. And so I would have guys bringing beans in and I would clean them up. This goes way back to before Roundup beans and everything else. So I'm running the seed plant and I loved it when guys would have a few pods with the beans because then I knew they didn't have the, uh, have things tightened down too tightly. So sometimes we can, go too far and what i would see sometimes with guys that said i want no pods in there at all then i'd see a lot more cracks and just a lot more damage on the seed not a real big deal if you're hauling it to a grain elevator but it was a big deal when it came to seed production so anyway there's certainly more adjustment there and again i really apologize we didn't get back to you sooner uh we'll try to do better next time all right uh let's see next one here is from uh, let's see, Bob and Teresa. Uh, I gotta see. I think it's from Teresa. But anyway, um, yeah, I got several names on here, so I apologize. Uh, but anyway, this I I thought this was a great email. I, here it is. It says many years ago, probably around 2010, I emailed you boys. I love how Darren and I still get called boys. Uh, we're literally like in our fifties. We were in our forties then. But anyway, uh. I emailed you boys about my son making the decision to become a plant breeder. His goal was to get his PhD in plant breeding. He came to that decision because of you, Brian and Darren, and your weekly Ag PhD TV show. Uh, ben, my son, and I would watch your show every week. He became fascinated at the research you both undertook, your excitement, and how you educated us, the public. So Ben started asking me questions about farming. Needless to say, I was a little uh, slash a lot surprised. Uh, the reason I was surprised is he grew up in West Texas. Uh So, and, and then it says here, I began working in the oil business. Well, anyway, uh, this is a a real big email and anyway, Ben went to Texas A&M and, uh, then he went to LSU and to sum it all up here, he's now a plant breeder with PhD. So anyway, the conclusion here just says God put special people in our lives at special times. He used you, hefty brothers, to have an effect on a young man in West Texas that had no farming background. My wife Teresa and I—oh, sorry, this is from Bob. Uh, my wife Teresa and I would like to thank you both for all that you do. You need to know your show reaches people of all ages in many different ways. May God continue to bless you and your families, your business, and your show. Thanks again. Uh, oh, he says here. Ben doesn't know Ben, the son, doesn't know I'm doing this. Well anyway, Bob, that's a fantastic story. Really, really appreciate that. And uh, I, I one of the things he said is just our excitement about stuff. I can't think of, and granted, I mean, you work in the oil industry, There are, don't get me wrong, there are lots of important jobs, but I can't think of a better job for me and for my family and just what we get to do every day and help people, uh, whether it's from the farm perspective, the agronomy perspective, or hopefully here, what we do at Ag PhD. All right, next one is from Brandon, and Brandon wrote us a week ago or so saying he had an issue using a low rate of prowl, uh, uh, some metribuzin, and then some sulfentrazone as well as copper sulfate, and it was hurting some beans, and he showed us a yield map and stuff. So we just said, boy, we'd really be curious, in the worst spot where he actually had some yield loss, what's the soil like? Because uh, he gave us a general idea on the soil. Well, anyway, he says here, this is follow-up. I did soil samples in the worst spots, and the worst spot was 8.7 cation exchange capacity, 3.2 organic matter. Now, the 3.2 is not bad at all, and a 6.2 pH. I just thought it might help with your thoughts. So anyway, we had just made the comment, prowl's not going to hurt the beans like that, especially when you're using a half rate. And sulfentrazone, that's basically authority or spartan, uh, it it was using about a 60% rate. That's not going to hurt the beans. The only thing I thought is, with three tenths of a pound of metribuzin, maybe the soil's just light, and maybe you got a heavy rainfall shortly after, or something like that. Normally, I'm pretty comfortable using a low rate of metribuzin, um, as long or a rate of metribuzin as long as the soil isn't super sandy. Eight point seven, you're getting close. Okay, so we're getting pretty sandy there, and my assumption is that's probably what did it. You're, he also had three pounds of copper sulfate in his pre herbicide. I can't imagine that would have hurt anything. So my thought, Brandon, is for next year, I'd still use the Metribuzin. I'd just cut that rate in half. It's the same thing that we recommend with high pH ground where we go half rate or really a quarter rate of what the full thing is where we go 6th of a pound. The other option you have is just completely cut the metribuzin out, which is what we recommend when you get down to a 5 CEC or less. The the real sandy stuff. So yeah, you might you definitely need to either lower that metribuzin or cut it. Uh, and and certainly, it's not like there was full yield loss or anything else. But nevertheless, we don't want to have any yield loss. Okay. Next question here is from Tony in Southern Minnesota. He sent us a soil sample with low magnesium but high pH on several samples. Do I go with K mag? He asks, and how will the pH be affected? Field is drained on 60-foot grids. Um, samples four and nine he has here show areas where I can't drain due to wetland proximity. That's why the sulfur there is high. Uh, these are on four-acre grids, silty loam on the or in the low magnesium areas. Well, first of all, uh, Tony, where your your sulfur or you're saying your sulfur is high it's really not that high the highest you've got is 29 and 31 parts per million some of these people with really poor drainage issues they've got a thousand or 3000 parts per million so we're, we're not anywhere near that your salts aren't super high your sodium isn't super high so your it doesn't appear to me at first glance that your drainage is this major issue when we talk about this magnesium, yeah, it's a little on the low side. It's not horrible. So you got one spot that's down to about six percent, but otherwise the lowest seven point six, eight, eight, seven, eight, nine percent. It's not that bad. Could you use some K mag? Yes, I wouldn't get that concerned about it. You're not putting out. ridiculous amount of magnesium that's going to raise your ph even more but the big thing is when ph is high that means things are out of balance so your phosphorus is really low your potassium is low uh, and then your copper and your boron also and zinc a little low fix those and things should start to improve stay tuned we'll be right back with more ag phd radio Go long for season-long foliar disease
3: protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions.
4: If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our AgPHD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free, so register now at agphd.com.
3: When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide. And there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitec. And everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
6: It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag. But if you've got a question for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, over the last couple of months, P.D. from out in Idaho has sent us, an, or I believe he's from out in Idaho, has sent us a number of questions, and this time he sent us several soil tests. Uh and here is his, his number one question. Uh, I've got a tree that's yellow in my yard. What should I put in there so the tree isn't yellow? And anyway, what he did is he took soil samples and, and split it in three and sent the same sample uh, to three different labs. So his question along with what should I put in my yard so this tree isn't so yellow is there's a lot of variability among the soil tests and more specifically the recommendations. Are the recommendations always this different from lab to lab for most crops? Um, They can be. They really can be, Petey. There are a lot of labs out there and it really depends. Number one, on the sample that they get. Number two, on whatever their extraction methods and that the type of tests that they're running. Because in some cases, the numbers may show different. But if they're running a different type of extraction, it may convert over to the extraction method that another lab's get uh, that, that another lab is running. So then ultimately hopefully a lot of the recommendations will be at least a little bit closer by the time they get all done even though the results might not necessarily look like it up front so it can be a little bit complicated but to answer your question specifically on what can I put in the yard so the tree isn't so yellow I don't know what to tell you exactly I I see the tree is right next to a house and then it looks like I I can't tell if that's looks like a parking lot or uh, yeah it looks like I can't tell if it's a parking lot or another building there. It looks like a parking lot to me. But anyway, uh, with roots on trees, they can go out. A lot of people have always said, all right, as high as a tree is, let's say it's 30 feet. Then you got to expect that the roots are going to go out 30 feet. But what we've always said is that's a minimum. And very commonly, we might find them 60 feet out, so twice as far out as the tree is tall. So where I'm going with this is if the roots are getting cut off they might have problems. The roots also could be getting into a number of different things there. I don't know if you have a septic tank there. I don't know what else is going on in that yard. I just know like my farmyard um, the the house is over a hundred years old and I know there was out in the middle of my farmyard a shop that got tore down. I'm gonna say 80 years ago and we st- we can still find things that are out there and underneath the soil. I don't know what all is out there. So I don't know exactly what your tree got into. But yes, it does appear yellow to me. And certainly it could be a disease, an insect, a number of other things. So there's nothing that really stands out to me in your soil test where I would say, oh, it looks terrible. And we we got to make some, some kind of change. All right. Next one is from Matt up in Ontario, Canada. And he also sent us some soil tests. And he's got three different things here, three different samples. One was where he's raising grapes. Another where he's where he raising tomatoes, garlic, and more intensive plants, he says. And they'd put some compost there, which increased their soil organic matter. And then the third one is where he's primarily doing potatoes and assorted vegetables and sweet corn for many years. Well, anyway, his ultimately, this is a long email, but ultimately his question is, what would be your recommendation to for me to build my soil faster and keep the soil health as high as it is where I have been raising the potatoes, assorted vegetables, and sweet corn. So in that area, let's see, i got to pull this up here. All right, in that area, he's got uh, 13 CEC and let's see, for organic matter, it's 2.3%. But really, all his tests are in the twos for soil organic matter. So when we talk about trying to build soil organic matter, it's basically the same exact steps we would talk about when it comes to building soil, period. So if you want to build more topsoil, these are the five things that we're going to suggest. And he says in here he reduced tillage, and now things are getting better, but at first he was having problems with smut and a number of other things. But anyway, reducing tillage is absolutely number one. And I know it seems a little bit counterintuitive because you'd say, you might say, well, there's all this residue above ground. If I put it below ground, shouldn't that residue break down and become organic matter? Just doesn't work that way. It's like throwing fuel on the fire when you add more oxygen into that soil, it breaks down the residue and the organic matter faster. Anyway, reduce your tillage. That's number one. Number two, we want to plant crops with lots of roots. So just as an example on my farm, so I don't raise the crops, you do. But we raise field corn and soybeans. Well, corn has roughly five times the root mass of soybeans. So I can build my soil and my soil organic matter much faster with corn than I can with soybeans. I can still build it using soybeans, but I'm going to build it faster with corn because a lot of the organic matter, the build in the soil comes from roots. It's not from the stuff you see above ground. It's not from all that plant matter, the organic material. It's from the roots breaking down. That's where most organic matter comes from. So that's number two. Number three, use compost like you've been doing or manure. That's an enormously huge step. The fourth thing that we say is cover crops. Now as I say cover crops, let me let me try to rephrase this better. We just want something growing during all the growing months possible. So in the middle of the winter, like for us, and certainly up in Ontario, you can't grow anything. So it doesn't really matter. What we worry about is, let's say you harvest a crop early and you got a month or two in the fall where the ground's just sitting there bare. We don't ever want that. We want something growing in that crop, uh, growing in that ground all the time. That'll help build your soil organic matter. And then finally, you could use some biological products. or a few things that will help a little bit, but the other steps are certainly much more important. So that's what I would suggest to you. When you're in light soil, 10 to 14 CEC, you only have 2% organic matter. Sometimes it can seem like a daunting task to go, oh, I want to have much better soil and a lot more organic matter and all this other stuff. But I'll put it to you this way. Do everything else possible to raise amazing crops and you're also going to build your soil and build your organic matter faster. So, for example, like when I look at your soil test, I go, yeah, you know, it's not not too bad. Um, I'm going to continue pushing almost everything for fertility. You're, you're actually at fairly good levels on on most things. But we just want to continue to fine tune that, continue to feed every crop, make sure you're doing everything you can, controlling weeds, insects, diseases, you name it. We want to raise a great crop. And then things will improve faster. All right, uh, next one here. I don't have a name on this one, but uh, we got this this comment in. Does Acres TV have an app? Uh, yes, as far as I know, you can uh, just like Netflix or Hulu. You could go to Acres TV on on your smart TV, and uh, then you could watch ag programming on Acres TV. They also have, uh, I believe it's watchacrestv.com. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different apps out there and a lot of ways to watch content today. All right. Next one here comes from Bill in Tennessee. And he said, I've spoken to you guys about taking some ground out of CRP. Well, my problem is I have blackberry bushes and wild onions, and I'm not sure what to use to get rid of them. I want to plant sweet corn next spring in the place of this CRP. All right, Bill, I would say if it's me, I'm out there spraying Roundup the highest labeled rate. That's going to take care of your wild onions. It's going to do a really good job. I doubt it's going to take care of your blackberry bushes, though. If it does not, you could certainly use Remedy Ultra. There are a lot of products out there for brush control be really careful about which ones you pick or which one you pick because we don't want something that's going to kill your corn or whatever crop you raise in the future. I like Remedy Ultra because it has almost no residual, so I don't have to worry so much about rotation. If I was going to use a Tordon or a Chaparral or something like that, now all of a sudden I got to be real careful about what I'm going to plant after that corn. All right, this one is from Amar who says... Uh, you guys say our base saturation level should be about 60 to 80 percent of calcium 10 to 20 percent of magnesium 4 to 8 on potassium 1 to 10 on hydrogen and 0 to 2 on sodium but i raise blueberries and my soil ph is 5.5 so how, how do i how do i handle that because if i change the base saturation then my soil ph is going to go up more than what i would want so can you please explain all right if you want to keep the ph at a 5-5. Five five. And you don't necessarily have to to raise good blueberries. But if you would like to, then what what it's going to be is your hydrogen level is going to be higher. I would still kind of look at in ratio, calcium and magnesium are the big things. But make sure you're keeping your potassium up in that 4-8% to eight percent range. So that is non-negotiable. You've got to make sure you're still doing that because potassium is tremendously important for blueberries and most crops. But then just kind of keep your calcium and magnesium like I say, in that ratio maybe a four to one five to one six to one something like that kind of ratio calcium to magnesium and you should be in good shape good question though all right before we go just want to say thanks to my sister janelle she was running the controls and uh producing the show for us today uh thanks to everybody who wrote in with questions had a ton of questions we'll try to get to more of those during our show tomorrow and thanks to you for listening be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio